Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri. With me is Evan Thorpe and filling in for a sick Stephen Ruiz, Michelle Martinelli. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Forget this, Stephen. This is weird. We never had this much energy coming from this side. No, we have not had this much energy coming from this side of the room <laughs> in so long. Michelle, welcome to the show. I'm so happy I can bring an extra ray of sunshine to this table. Yeah, it's usually very <laughs> dark and distressing in here. <laughs> I'm normally like the, the, the rays of joy. I know. I mean, you are, basically. He is a bolt of sunshine. All right, let's talk about the big news. Bryce Harper, putting everybody out of their misery, signed a 13-year contract with the Philadelphia Phillies for 300 and... 330. 330 for $330 million. The largest contract in American sports history... I will go around the room for initial reactions, uh, and then we can <laughs> let's let's talk because there's two people here who are, who've got a lot to say. I'm actually gonna go with Michelle first because she's new. Michelle, what do you think about the deal? I I don't know. I I'm not surprised that he got that amount of money, right? Like he's a very talented player, and and it's not always just about the stats. Like he puts people in seats. Like we're in Washington D.C. I know tons of people who are not Nats fans who would go pay money to go specifically two games to watch Bryce Harper hit home runs. So, mm-hmm. like, he puts butts in seats. And, and so that's, you know, people talk about Mike Trout and, and, you know, Manny Machado and some other players and compare those stats. It's not all about stats. Bryce obviously has that. But so it all – I'm not surprised that it's that much money. It is – 13 years is a little shocking when you put it into perspective that he will be 39 years old when this contract is up. Like, where will you be in 13 years? I mean, will any of us even be alive in 13 years? God only knows. I mean, uh, I hope <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I only ask because I'm constantly reading about polar ice caps melting and the stuff like that. So. Oh, good point. We might not even be here. That's so. right. Uh, we'll all just be underwater. We're all just, it'll be water world by that point. Uh, all right, Evan, I'm going to let oh. you talk uh, because your shaking and dancing is becoming insufferable. And also because you have no idea how to be unbiased. (laughs) (laughs) That is really hard when it comes to Philadelphia sports. But I will say this. I (laughs) literally last night I was texting my cousin and I was like, I don't care about him anymore. Just wait for uh, Mike Trout next year. Let's throw 500 million. But the fact that they got it done, I think is a big move for Philadelphia baseball. I think last year up and towards the all-star break, they look like a team that could surprise somebody, get a wild card slot, but then they had, you know, a rough start after the all-star break and finished two games under 500. But I think this move and along with the moves they made throughout this offseason shows that they're trying to win now. And I think the, the, the contract that they gave Bryce, it gives them a home to maybe retire in. I don't know if he's going to be able to play after he's 39. But, yeah, like, clearly he saw enough in Philadelphia and with the team to say, hey – I'm going to likely end my career here. Yeah, he definitely was not looking to sign someplace else. Uh, like you said, the Phillies have been making a lot of moves in the offseason. They signed Andrew McCutcheon earlier. This is a team that's going all in on 2019. And as Ted Berg pointed out, Ted's our head MLB writer, they were relatively stacked before they signed Harper. So the fact that they went all in on Harper is uh, 
incredible and is going to make them uh, contenders for years down the line. Yeah, I, I'll say definitely you still have the Braves to worry about. And the thing about the Braves and the Nationals, they have young talent. The The Marlins made moves. So it's not a clear cut like this team just made moves to be the best team in the NL East. They still have to prove that all these pieces can work well together. Mm-hmm. And you also have to have pitching because right now you have Nola Arrieta as like your two guys. I think you need to add some more arm strength behind those two but looking on paper you could easily make a case for this being one of the best teams in the east and competing in the nl yeah i agree um i guess because steven is not here i (laughs) somebody has to be the debbie downer somebody has to be the debbie downer and i'm fine being the debbie downer i'm against large contracts for athletes right i i have said that before on this podcast Uh, they never work out in favor yeah I, I think uh at first when it came out that he was looking for a 10-year deal I was like I can easily see them going for that but when it came out 13 yeah my biggest concern is I, I really don't think the money's the problem because you think about every time uh, a big name guy comes out a free agency they reset the market mm-hmm. so maybe in four or five years we're not even looking at this what is he making like 30 some million a year like it's like uh, 25 and change yeah, we're, yeah that probably wouldn't even be you know. No, it's not. They're talking that Mike Trout's contract, I literally just wrote about it on FTW's website, Yeah, that Mike Trout's under contract through the 2020 season, and people are making guesses about what he's going to set the market value at anywhere between $500 million and a spaceship. <laughs> like, take your pick. It's somewhere in there. Yeah, so if, you know, let's say he does get that much money, $500 million contract, they're going to look at the Bryce deal like, well, it wasn't that bad depending on what everybody else is making. Now, if the Phillies get both Trout and Harper, oh my God. Oh my God. we might need to make a Space Jam for baseball. Yeah, really. It would be like Space Jam for baseball. Again, to be the Debbie Downer on this, uh, I read an article, it was in the Washington Post, and a columnist, uh, of course, Harper used to play for the Nationals, uh, and a columnist said that uh, if your star player couldn't even hustle in the outfield, how else is the rest of the team going to follow? So it was really a knock on Harper's leadership. Well, and that's it's a you could look at it as a leadership thing. And, and you know, that's Bryce's defense is something that he's been criticized for. Like, this is not a new conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, he does not run often uh, in the outfield. And that's just because that's arguably not what he's there to do. That is not what you're paying him to do. And, like, that's. I, I think that's a bad but that's mentality ridiculous. to have. That's but ridiculous. But that's what it is. Your job is to win a baseball game. But that's not playing right field well is not our center field sometimes. That is not how he's winning baseball games. I want to bring this back to what Evan said about all the pieces yeah. fitting together. Because you have a ton of egos on this team now. And they all have to get along. And, like, Bryce Harper basically thinks he's too good to chase down balls. Yes. Basically. Here's the thing. Philadelphia isn't D.C. Okay. D.C. will let you <laughs> Wait, get a— what? Let me tell you about the fans, though. D.C. fans—you <laughs> always say Philadelphia fans boo yeah. their their own players. Philadelphia will let you know if you're not doing something they want you to do. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he will be willing to just sit there. Because think about this. He's the closest to fans in baseball. He's at the back corner— where basically you have fans on both sides. Yeah. So if you're not doing something, you're going to be showered with boos. And I think and also— if there's any place that fans are going to boo their own team, it's, it's Philadelphia. But I think, though, also change of scenery. And if you look at it, like, the Nets, for a long stretch, were like the team that was one move away, people thought 
to get into the World Series, but right. can never get over the hump. Right. And I think if he sees like, all right, this is my chance to really get get over the hump and get into the World Series, I think he might run just a little bit more. Like superstars don't work. So you're saying that he might be a little bit more motivated uh, yeah. as a fresh start. But what happens three years from now and they might not have made it to the World Series even when they've got all that talent, is he just like he just stops running? Right. I, who knows? I mean, why when you're sitting there going into free agency is your last season, you're trying to make yourself look pretty valuable. Let's not forget that Bryce's batting average dropped to a little above 200 mm-hmm. in like June ish. And then, you know, he put on a, a show at the All Star game and home run derby and seemed like he was back, but he had a little bit of a dip there. So going into free agency, wouldn't you want to try and make yourself as marketable as possible and say, look how valuable I am. Like, in addition to all of this, I can also play defense, but no. All right, you go first. I think the the one thing I would say with uh, Harper is, unlike other stars in baseball, he's an actual attraction. Like like you said earlier, yes. people in D.C. was going just to see him. So I feel like he knew I don't have to perform my best. I'm still going to get paid. Whereas Trout is probably the best baseball player, but I don't think you could point out, point him out in a crowd if he was walking by you. Exactly. No, so, I, well, he's, not so, a lot of people would. Well, so here's that's what I was going to say is that Bryce Harper has no need to sell himself because he already knows that he's sellable. He already knows that he can – perform like crap and he is still going to command a huge sum on the free agent market Uh, that is about ego right and that is about ego and especially coming from a hockey background like I have it's about talent that doesn't want to work right Sidney Crosby may be the best hockey player in the NHL but he still works and Harper does not put in that much work in the outfield is all I'll say I also think it's because his hair Okay. He has the hair. It, uh, people with hair, you know, they have a little bit more cockiness to him. And a little like, bit of style. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got great hair. He does. It's undeniable. I want to talk about Mike Trout for a second, too, because Evan just brought this up. It is about what you said, Michelle said, about sellability and marketability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Trout, as Ted Berg has often said, is the best player in baseball. Ted writes a loving column about him once a week during the MLB season. And Mike Trout Mondays. Mike Trout Mondays. <laughs> and again, I you're right, Evan. I could he could be sitting here in this podcasting studio and I could not pick that dude out of a crowd. <laughs> he just is he can be the best player in baseball. He still is not going to draw people to the game. Whereas yeah. Harper actually has that. Harper naturally com- like commands the spotlight. Like he but whether it's something that, you know, if he's slumping, it's, oh, he's the storyline. Bryce Harper's slumping. If he's out there hitting dingers after dingers, like, people well, want just... to talk about that. It's his personality. He wants to make baseball not boring. He's he's an attraction regardless of how he plays, and he happens to play very, very well. But I also think if you're Trout and your team looking at Trout, you like that because what storylines have you heard from Trout that you've had, you heard from Harper in the past year? Like, his averages aren't dropping. He's not looking for the attention. He's he's going in to do his job. He does it well. And the most that we see him is at Philadelphia Eagles games during football season. That's the most 
uh, we see Trout outside of baseball. Yeah, even Mike Trout's dad said that Mike Trout basically is boring. Yeah. Like, I hate it. He's just, and that's not a bad thing. The dude just, no. like, cares about baseball, and that's what he wants to do, and uh, he's not really interested in a whole lot beside that. And he just needs to get on a different team, and, and people, I feel right. like then, you know, the Angels aren't really doing a whole lot. Right. So, like, if you get him on to a contending team, that's, you know, actually in the postseason and actually making a run at the World Series, then I, I think you don't necessarily then need Mike Trout to have a personality to put him on the map of your average MLB fan. Right. I, I think that people would start talking about him because, you know, as you narrow the field down to who's still left in the postseason, people are going to have to start looking at Mike Trout's numbers if he continues to perform that way. How much money do you think he will make in free agency if he's – Better than Bryce Harper, and Bryce just got three hundred thirty million. What do you think he lines up? I'm thinking probably half a billion. Like, oh God, I here's my thing. Uh, Scott Beck, who is um, on our MLB desk at USA Today, also pointed out that uh, the number for Harper was always going to be somewhere around three hundred, three twenty five, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of this had to do with Scott Boras, uh, Harper's agent. Uh, who wanted to be known for getting the biggest uh, contract in American sports history. So part of, you know, maybe Trout goes for exactly what Harper went for, even though he's a better player. Or I I feel like it's got to be, oh I, oh, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but I say Go to the fours. 420. I, I see. I got to, okay, so because I literally just wrote about people trying to guess how much Mike Trout's going to make. Yeah. Um, Ted chimed in. He wrote something in January about how much he thought that Mike Trout would make right now if he were in free agency. And right now, he put Mike Trout's number between five and six hundred million. What in twenty twenty? What does that look like? That's what people are talking about. Like the Angels are going to have to give them the deed to the stadium if they want to keep him around. Like, I don't. Here's the thing. I don't understand. Who was watching this much baseball? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I, I, this is, I was just going to say, this might be the first and only time we've ever talked about baseball on this podcast. I, if you I, had me on more during the season, we would t- we could talk about baseball. No, we won't. No. Please stop. <laughs> no. This is going to be our first and only baseball podcast. <laughs> but yeah, the numbers far, out, far exceed the popularity of the sport as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's well, and it's interesting too. Someone pointed out um, Kirk Cousins' contract with the Vikings, how big of a deal that was. That was what, 84 million? Yeah, he was like 33 mil per year guaranteed. Right. How many years was that for? Do you know off the top of your head? Three. Three. Three Okay. So you compare that number and length. Obviously, football is a different sport, it's a lot more physical. Its injuries are, you know, totally different factor that you have to take into consideration. But just look at the difference in those numbers. $84 Eighty-four million for three years versus three hundred and thirty over thirteen. But you're also like you're not having to pay sixty guys, so it's more no, money to true. spend. And I think also like you don't have to worry about baseball players getting hurt to the point where they can't play as often. Right. Yeah. Whereas like a, a football player could literally tear his ACL and never be good. No, again. but this is just going to to Hummel's popularity point oh, that yeah. like you talk about. You know, obviously there are other factors. Like you could get injured tomorrow mm-hmm. and be without a quarterback and and back to square one. Um, but yeah, in terms of popularity, looking at the NFL versus MLB, those those numbers just clearly. If you have kids, have them play soccer or baseball. Have them play baseball. No, baseball sucks. It's baseball's so boring. awesome. 
Michelle, this is your last day on the show. No. Oh, my God. Michelle's not invited back, sadly. (laughs) No. That's so unfair because I like baseball. Yeah. Lots of people (laughs) like baseball. There's 162 games a season, and people watch ish. No. We're not. We're not. This is not going to devolve into how popular baseball is, (laughs) but Michelle's wrong. Before we wrap up the podcast, a couple of other things to get to, though. Uh, I want to talk about Kyler Murray real quick. And his five ten and an eighth of an inch size. <laughs> like, who, I, I don't even know who was the guy that was like, "Oh, let's give him, a, let's give him an eighth of an inch." Like, so what was it? Everybody said he said that he was five eleven. He that- okay. So I wrote about this like months ago. That was the Oklahoma football team listed him at five ten. Interestingly enough, the Oklahoma baseball team listed him at five eleven. I mean, like. It's- <laughs> Ain't nothing gonna change. He five ten, bro. Live your height. Like, you know how they say, live your best life. Live your best height. You're five ten and eighth. I th- I swear to God, I thought we did a post that was like, how tall is Kyler Murray, or how come no one is sure how tall Kyler Murray? Yeah, is? that was mine. Yeah, that was yeah, you, right? that was yeah. mine. Well, and then um, Charles, uh, Charles Curtis, another one of our writers, I think, did something today about how. Kyler Murray is roughly the same size that Russell Wilson was right. during his combine measurements. Right. So, like, you put that into perspective when we're sitting here talking about, you know, oh, is he too short? Is his hand size too small? Like, is he going to be able to live up to this? Is he going to get wrecked by 300-pound linemen? It's like, pump the brakes a little bit. All right. That's it for me. That's all I got. I was going to wrap up the podcast unless Michelle, as our guest of honor, had anything else she wanted to say. I mean, I'm, like, super scared to add anything about baseball back into this conversation again. As uh, living in D.C., I'm super excited, as we were just talking about, to watch Max Scherzer strike out Bryce Harper when he comes back to Washington for the sixth game of the season this year. Oh, my God. Nope, it's going to be great. All of us have fallen asleep thinking about it. Oh, my God. Where's (laughs) Ted when you need him? You're the one who actually said you really liked a pitcher's duel. I love it. Oh, my God. That's why... That is why I am. See, look at what you started, man. Um, I love pitchers. I love when you have a low-scoring game and it's just who who is going to outlast the other person on the mound. Because it's so rare that I feel like that you get two pitchers that are both performing at such a high level in the same game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If Michelle. If chess was a sport on ESPN, Michelle will watch it. Not <laughs> even that. Okay, one, Michelle. I love chess. Two, I would not watch it on television. Michelle's actually an old 70-year-old man. I keep score at baseball games sometimes. Oh, my God. All right, y'all. That was this episode <laughs> of the For the Whip podcast. It was Michelle featuring Himmel and Evan. We had a great time talking baseball. Uh, Next week, Steve will be back, and we'll be back to our normal flow of things. Thank you guys for watching. Have a great weekend. (laughs) Bye, guys.